In the last decade, women have made up 50% of law school graduates, yet women make up only 38% of the legal profession. Somewhere along the line, we are losing women in the practice of law. What's the story? We're here to spill it. This is Spilling the Tea with M. Shielly, the podcast bringing together leaders and trailblazers to candidly share insights into their careers with the goal of helping you succeed in yours. Here's your host, a lawyer and advocate fiercely dedicated to the advancement of women in the legal profession, S.C. Selleck. Suzette Torres serves as Associate General Counsel of Open Door Labs, Inc., one of the largest iBuyers in the nation. She provides a legal and advisory support to Open Door's adjacent services and products, focusing on title and escrow. She also serves as OS National LLC's Interim Head of Legal, via Second Met, and oversees corporate governance, compliance, and licensing, commercial agreements, employment law, regulatory matters, risk management, underwriting, and general contract management. She enjoys partnering with other products and operational business teams to provide legal guidance on scaling businesses, new market launches, product development initiatives, and ongoing operations. Prior to working at Open Door, Suzette was Vice President, Regional Counsel at a North American title company, handling compliance and government issue, or employment issues. Prior to working at Open Door, Suzette was Vice President, Regional Counsel at North American Title Company. She was elected as District Board Governor of California Women Lawyers Association, the largest women's bar association statewide, and was the chair of in-house counsel network. She also served as the board member of the Contra Costa County Bar Association Women's Section. She was former co-chair of the in-house counsel of the Asian American Bar Association of the Greater Bay Area, and a member of various bar associations, including the Bar Association of San Francisco, the Filipino Bar, Association Northern California and a member of the San Francisco and East Bay chapter of Crew, which is commercial real estate women. In 2018, she was selected as an honoree for the National Women in Law Collaborative Leadership category by Corporate Counsel and Inside Counsel, which honors general counsel and in-house leaders who have demonstrated a commitment to advancing the empowerment of women in law. She has been rated AV preeminent by her peers, the highest rating given to Martindale Hubble. Welcome to Spilling the Tea with M. Shelley. We have our guest here today. This is Suzette Torres and um, welcome Suzette. It's always lovely to speak to you, have you, um, and thank you for being here. I am so excited to be here, Sutter. So let's do this. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, we were already we were already doing a little bit of talking beforehand. So uh, listeners, I'm sorry, but you're you're kind of cutting in halfway through our conversation. I apologize for that. We're already warmed up and ready to go. Yes. But now we'll now we'll turn to the to the main topics, which is our our favorite ten questions that we that we ask uh, our our people that we have here today. Um, and that starts off. We kick it off with, "What does success mean to you?" Or, "What is your biggest legal accomplishment?" So you can either do that within the realm of, of law or or not. I'll tell I you. Know. You know, I, I saw these questions, the questions that you were going to ask me, and you you, but you didn't asked, prepare. I did. Okay. I go. mean. I kind of did. You always prepare. You prepare. No. <laughs> of course. Yes, I did prepare. I'll say one of my, my best accomplishments, what I really love, especially being in this space in legal, is the ability to help other people, right? And these could be, so I would say my biggest accomplishment is when I can help out, whether it's a friend on, you know, they, they need a quick like gut check or is want to get some quick, like, hey, Suzette, what do you think about this? You know, what should I do? Uh, although sometimes they'll ask me questions that are absolutely outside 
of my practice area. I'm only real estate, you know, litigation. That's about it. Family law, other things like that. I reserve to those who know and, you know, to my fellow um, experts out there. But I, I always... I always enjoy having the ability to either, if I don't know the question, I definitely know people who can help find those answers for me, or I could connect them to everyone. So that's why I feel that there is success. Like there is, there's a purpose in my life that I can actually help others, whether it's through just being a great sounding board, being someone they can come to and trust or being someone where they can give them guidance and direction. Yeah. If I was going to, to say anything about you, I mean, that was nice and not mean. I would first say, that was a joke. I would first <laughs> say, you're allowed to laugh. I would first say that you are very good at connecting the right people to each other. You are a matchmaker of friendships and networks. And that is one of the things that you do that is really well. And also you are very good for a gut check. I've had multiple gut checks with you that are legal and otherwise. So uh, I thank you. Oh, hey, wait, let me share this one story. So this was back in the day when I was in private practice, right? So this, uh, I, I was like working late at my office and then a call came in where someone want needs some like legal advice. Um, they called my firm. We did real estate, of course. And it was, it was one of the, basically it was a landlord tenant issue, you know, not for nothing. Like I really didn't want to do landlord tenant stuff, but after hearing this guy's plight, like he was renting a house from this landlord, but it sounds like it was, it was not a good house. It was, there were, there were repairs that need to be made. Like what the washer's broken, heater's not working. And I sat there thinking, well, Either I could take this on and help this guy, or I could connect him to a really great, really great landlord tenant attorney. And for whatever reason, it's just my my heart, I felt in my heart like I gotta help this guy. And he wasn't even close by. It's like a basically two, I had to drive two hours back and forth, or like consulting with him, doing the site inspection, then going out there for court. And you know, when it came to it, I remember walking into the courtroom. It's like it's landlord tenant. So I knew what to expect. You know, I went there and I and I looked, and out of the whole room, I was looking, hey, where are the other landlord tenant attorneys for the tenants, right? Mm-hmm. None of the other tenants had an attorney with them. And I felt so bad for them because as each case get, kept getting called up, I would listen to their plight and I get it. I know what they were asking for. I know what it was, but it was either, it was like watching people's court, right? Where it's like the judge is asking you, well, do you have any evidence? And they're like, well, I have it here on my phone, yada, yada. And, but there's nothing like printed out or there's no receipt or there's no corroborating witness, you know, say X, Y, and Z. And I felt bad. And then when it came to our turn, and it, it just so happens, we were like one of the last ones, you know, I walked up there, the judge was surprised that the lieutenant even had an attorney. And she's like, you're doing this pro bono, right? I'm like, yes, I am. And we pled our case. Basically, it was, it was first, it came out to be a non-payment of rent case. But then he was trying to also be a victim on, oh, well, the city said that my house is not inhabitable. So I have to evict this guy. And, you know, that, that, um, that question came up. The judge asked me point blank. Well, don't I have a right to have, you know, enter judgment to the plaintiff if this is the case, you know, that the city said that this is not a habitable house. And I told her, I go, that would be true, your honor, with the exception, that's not the case in front of you. This is solely a non-payment of rent. If, if uh, the landlord wanted to bring, you know, an unlawful detainer with regards to, hey, this violates the city ordinance, we could absolutely entertain it, but that's not what was brought here today. And the judge looked at me and then talked to the landlord again some more. And he wasn't represented either. 
And it turns out, so the judge actually ruled in our favor. It's just like, you know, it's, I can't, I have to find favor of the defendant. I go, he paid rent. Here's the receipt. I had the receipt that he accepted rent. Next so, the receipts, but, right? Yes, right. Keep the receipts, people. Keep the receipts. But it was pretty amazing because if I, I knew in my heart that if I wasn't there to help guide this guy, you know, with regards to this is what you need to show to the court. Where's your receipt? Do you have a cop, like a canceled check? Uh, because if it's just non-payment of rent, this is what we can show. Yeah. And if he accepted it, this is what we can show. We're good. You know, other stuff like in at the end, like he, he probably did. Um, he did eventually leave that property because he was able to work it out with the landlord. But it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. And I, I, mean, I did that pro bono. You know, I didn't get one dime from that. And it always comes back to it's like, hey, you know, it's like I, I was put here for a reason to help out where I can. And so I would say that's like one of my success stories where it's like, yeah, you know, they went for like the little people. And it's just um those types of stories, it does make me happy. And and I just say, people pay your rent because I know I had to pay rent when I was a tenant. Yeah, right. It's 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 the little victories that are actually the big victories for you, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what that's why I think that's why most of us went into it. And it gets kind of lost along the way on this road to what we think is success. And then sometimes we get these little boosts of I did this thing for bro- pro bono but I won and it means so much to this little guy. And this is awesome. You know, yes, that's what that story is. And I know that you do many things like that because I, you know, get to be your friend and get to hear it. And so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What's the biggest change you'd like to see in the legal profession? You only can pick one. So just, you know, only pick one, only pick one. So narrow it down, bud. Oh, well, the biggest change I would like to see, I would like to see more women judges. I want to see more representation. I would say not even just women judges, but um, I would say people of color. You know, it's just I would I would love to see a, a Filipino uh, judge on the Supreme Court. That's what I'd like to see. That would be and great. Yeah. I'm just saying it would be really nice to see a, a person of color, for, you know, yeah. on these higher levels of as a judicial officer. I was just actually speaking to, uh, before you um, in this podcast to Judge Hiramoto from Contra Costa County. She yes. was the only or was the only uh, Asian American person on the bench in Contra Costa County for many years until we had another appointment. And then that appointment actually got a, a job that was like too good to, to pass up. So, she, oh. um, but she's, I think the only appointment that we've ever had that has stayed on the, um, the bench in Contra Costa County. And that's, I think, just like very not good enough. Um, and so that is at a, a lower level of court than you're talking about, obviously indi- indicative of, of all the places that we need to fill in with people of color and, and women. So right. absolutely. I think that is something that we should definitely be be doing. And hopefully we can get that going in the next couple of years with appointments and um, also, people should run, Suzette, you know? I know where you're going with this, and the answer is still no. <laughs> I to run, like my good friend Renee N.G. Stackhouse would say. Everybody everybody should. I think you would be a fantastic judge. I just wanted to say that. Oh, thank you. Uh, what do you wish an ally would do to support women more? Because I know yeah, you've had one... a, I'm sorry. I know you've had a, I, I apologize for, for talking over you. Do you want to finish, or would you like to? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I know that you've had, because we've talked before, I know that you've had a lot of mentors and I know that um, many of them have actually been male and many of them have actually been female. But 
in all of them, has there been one trait or one thing that they've, they've universally done that you think has been most beneficial for you or to you? Yeah, I'll say the ones that I really admire and I think are the most effective are those who have the ability to speak up and to say something, you know, kind of like see something, say something. It's it's where they're, they are the people in the room where if you give a great idea and it appears no one's listening or, you know, someone else is saying the exact same thing and they're getting credit for the same idea that you just raised earlier, they're the people in the room that will you know, acknowledge you and will also make a point uh, that other people acknowledge you as well. Those, I think, are the great allies where they're not afraid to speak up, you know, and they could, people, you know, they do their own. Either they could, sometimes they're, they're very upfront and they'll talk about it upfront right when it happens. And other people have, they're really good at what they do and they will talk about afterwards. Like maybe they'll pull like a manager aside to him, like, hey, you know, I noticed that your associate, you know, was trying to say something. And I, I felt that maybe she wasn't being heard. You, you may want to just check in with her to make sure she's okay. And those are things where I appreciate, you know, those types of allies and mentors and sponsors to be really true advocates for women. Yeah. There's, I feel like there's been this concept and lots of ways in life, but a lot in law where it has to be a competition uh, and especially for women, I think where, it was hard for women to sort of break into the legal field. And so once once they got in, there was this idea that they had to compete with other women. And I've spoken to a bunch of people and I feel like there's kind of a turn away from that uh, in, in the, the last couple of years where, no, we don't have to compete. And in fact, we shouldn't be competing. And instead, we should be trying to foster this relationship of building each other up. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, yeah. I'll say that I felt that same way too in the beginning of my career. And I'll say that I've noticed that there is a change. And the change I would note is that, uh, and it could be like, maybe it's it's a generational thing. How I feel now, it's, it's really more about making connections. You know, we talk about networking and whatever word you want to use, networking, making connections, friending people, you know, whatever. But it's really just kind of speaking your your truth and being like genuine who you are, right? Being totally transparent, genuine who you are, and making those connections because, you know, good people will be surrounded by good people. That's what that's what we should be doing. We should be surrounding ourselves with people who want to see us succeed. Now, I will note, I cannot take credit for that line because actually that came from someone else. It was, I heard Nina Vaca. If you haven't, she's amazing. I think I did ping you and Renee about her. Yeah, but she she is amazing, an amazing speaker. But that really stuck with me about this. And I feel like this is why I am where I am. It's because I really surrounded myself with people who I cared about, who cared about me. And it was all reciprocated. They want to see me succeed as much as I want to see them succeed. So we were all in it to win it. And it's those types of connections that make the difference. Yeah. I think that's one of the things about the relationship that, that I, so you and I have known each other probably for seven, six or seven years. And I think that's one of the things that you taught me most was that you can really support other people and really want for them, maybe even more than you want for yourself. And I think that's one of the 
the coolest things that I got out of yeah. our relationship. And uh, I've taken that with me into other relationships. And you can, the yeah. thing about you is you can kind of feel your light sort of, sort of radiating out of you and, and the care for other people. And I think that is what this field should be about and what, what these relationships with other attorneys should, should be about. We should all be sort of showing up for each other and, and advocating as much for our clients as we are for other attorneys that we want to see succeed. So yeah. I mean, I think that's you in a nutshell, which is, is the best, like one of the best things about you. I mean, there's so many, I can't even go into yeah. But um, you know, I should note though, I am still competitive. Like I want to win. Oh girl, <laughs> I know you're competitive. You're competitive, but you're, the thing about you and the thing I love about you is that you're competitive, but you're always respectful. And that's the thing. You will fight to the death to win a case, but at the end of the day, you're always nice you know um at the end of a case if, if you've just left it all out on the battlefield you're still going to be super respectful when you leave that courtroom uh and it's not personal and that is what i think was it has been missing for a really long time in this profession where you know it it the the animosity trickled out into the hallway and it doesn't have to you know you, yeah. you can you can leave it all in the courtroom and still advocate for your client and still be have a demeanor that is acceptable with opposing counsel. And that is something that you do very well. So thank you. Thank you. Or at least I try. I should say I try. <laughs> I mean, we're all trying, aren't we? You know, better. you're one of those. When was the time that you didn't stand up for yourself? And, and what is your biggest regret related to that? That was a tough one. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm saying it, it was tough because it's happened so many times. Or <laughs> I, I would say there was one time I had a, there was a boss I used to work for. And uh, I raised the question about, I think it was like about uh, maternity leave, right? And it, it was weird. Like all of a sudden I felt like he flipped the switch on me and he started getting angry about, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's like your, some of your other coworkers, they're not, you know, they don't have kids. And basically just trying to compare with my other coworkers, mostly male, who either they, you know, they, they didn't take paternity leave. Like that wasn't a thing back then. And it was just weird because I'm thinking, I'm just asking a simple question. Like I'm not looking to be accusatory. I just want to know, do we have it? If we do, it's something that I would like to know. And if we don't have it, I'd still like to know. But what really angers me about it is not necessarily what he said, was that it was more so that I was apologetic for bringing it up because I felt bad that I made him feel bad. And I'm thinking, why do I feel that? Like looking in retrospect, right? I, I'm like, why do I feel that way? I asked a, a very genuine and realistic question that many women probably have on their minds. You know, and then even if, if the, for those who don't even want to have kids and everything, it's like, it's still just nice to know if, if they, if it's a benefit they provide, you know, maybe there's other benefits that we provide. And I always think about those times, like I should not be afraid to, I should be afraid to speak up or speak my mind or just go, do we want to have a discussion about it? You seem very emotional about this question. I was just wondering if we have this benefit, if you don't. I'd like to know why you don't, because other firms do. And I think that's what I learned afterwards, right? After jumping from one firm to another, and then another, and you know, doing different jobs, it's like, hey, it's just like, there are some other firms who really embrace investing in their employees. And that is always worth, you know, looking into 
And because when you invest your employees, you really do invest back into the company, into the firm. And those those types of firms and companies, I truly appreciate. Those are those are great companies and kudos to them. Yeah. It's it's very funny because it's it's I'm a solo, obviously, you know that. Mm-hmm. But hearing your story is it's very much like relationships, like you dated around, you dated, you dated dated in your early career and you (laughs) were like afraid to speak up. And then when you did, you know, you got, you got shut down and you felt bad about it and then you broke up with the person and then you dated somebody else and they treated you slightly better. And then, you know, and now you're, you're, you're in a lovely relationship in which you're, you're admired and you're treated well. And um, you found your home and it's just, it's and your voice in your relationship. And it's just funny to, I, that's how I think about it. When I hear you talk about it, you're just, you know, it's just um, interesting when I, I like that. I'm just, uh, just like to tell you how I thought, what I thought. Um, <laughs> what advice do you wish you had been given uh, earlier on in your career? Oh, I mean, I think you already said that you wish you had spoken up more. Yeah. Uh, but is there anything, anything else that comes to your mind? I probably still, uh, I probably still say the same thing. I wish I spoke up more and I wasn't afraid to kind of strike it on my own. Yeah. I remember I, there are a couple of colleagues of mine, they're saying, Hey, you know, we should become, let's, let's join, you know, forces, become a solo practitioner. We can do, you know, join a firm together. But I was always so afraid to do it because I was like, it's a big step. It's a big responsibility and a big step. Like I, I truly admire you, Sutter. It's just to do that on your own. I'm like, I, I keep thinking about, well, what happens if I get sick? Who will take care of my, you know, clients? I'm like, oh, what if this happens? Like, and the thing is, I, I think I self-sabotage myself that way. You're so, so collaborative that I just can't imagine you being a solo. <laughs> you know, you like feed off of people. Like, I don't know how COVID has, I don't know how you've survived because I feel like you need the the joy of going in and like seeing people. And, and <laughs> I'm a people person. I really do. I do love it. But you, but you know, like, I've been at home with my husband this whole time and I love him. And I, I could tell I must really love him because we're still together yeah. <laughs> working from home. Yeah. But, yeah. It's but I, I would like to go back to work <laughs> at my office away from my kitchen. I'm in my kitchen right now. If anyone is wondering where I'm working from home, I'm still stuck in my kitchen. Well, that's unfortunate, but I'm very happy that your marriage is going to last. Um, yeah. <laughs> wait, and how many, it's, you, I just, you just had a, um, a, an anniversary, right? <gasps> no, it, it's coming up um, in two weeks. It'll be 20 years. Yeah, I think you guys are going to be just fine. If you can survive yeah. 20 years in COVID, um, I think you're you're all right. <laughs> so mazel to, to you and to Thank your, you. your wonderful husband. Thank um, you. What is an under-recognized uh, hurdle for women in the legal profession? I think an unrecognized hurdle would be trying, it, it's the work-life balance. Uh, the way I probably best explain it is that, you know, when it comes to family, and, th- and I'll say this is just my opinion, other people may see this differently. But how I've seen it is a lot of times when it comes to family, it seems like it's always um, dedicated or designated to women. So the example I would use is, if I was to tell, you know, my work, oh, you know, I need to leave a little early so I could pick up my son from school, because he has a doctor's appointment. They're like, oh, okay, because it's either one, it's you know, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. You're the mom, you got to bring him, pick him up. But if my husband, if he, at his work, if he says, hey, I'm sorry, I got to leave early today. So I got to pick up my son and bring him to his doctor's appointment. They're like, oh, you're such a good dad, like taking time off, you know, dedicating time, make sure your son gets to his appointment. 
I don't think women get enough recognition on on that end. That's kind of like it's it's almost like if we're assumed that that's that's our duty to take care of all the family stuff, and then when when you know a man steps up and he does the same thing, which you know he should be doing in the first place anyway, all of a sudden it's like oh this is wow kudos great guy great you know accolades to this person who could do it all, and I'm thinking women have been doing it all since the beginning of time, where's our accolades? You know, just uh, like, do I need a gold star? Maybe, you know, it's like, if the gold star is a bonus, I'd like a bonus. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so I have a, you, I have a story about this that, that I think might, might hit the nail on the head. So I was in, yeah. you know, that I'm gender non-conforming and I've been transitioning. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so I went from like somewhat girly to much less girly pretty recently. And I was in the store this summer um, during a a less girly phase and I was dancing with my kid. And, uh, and, and when I had done that prior, you know, nobody had said anything to me, but this summer when I was doing it, this old gentleman, older gentleman came up to me and he's like, you're such a good dad. And I was Uh like, no, I'm just a normal parent. This is what you're supposed to do. Um, yeah. And I, so that really, your story really hits it on the head because I'm just like, no, we should all be doing this. This isn't a gendered thing. This is, we should all be picking up our kids at school. We should all be dancing with them. And I, because you think I'm a dad who's doing this, mm-hmm. shouldn't be any different because I'd be, I'm a mom who did this six months ago. Um, and so- Yes, I, I agree. I think that is a hugely underrepresented issue that is happening, and it it does it does affect um, women um, in a much larger way. So I think we yeah. need to normalize, you know, your your husband going and taking the day off, and and if he wants to get a gold star, that's cool. But you should get one also, you know. Yes, <laughs> uh, and every woman who's ever taken you know an early afternoon to go do something should get all the gold stars for all of the days that they did that. Or nobody yes. gets gold stars. That's just the deal. But let's make it equal, eh? Uh, yes. <laughs> what makes you feel powerful, Suzette? Well, uh, sometimes the clothes that I wear makes you feel powerful. Um, I mean, that makes sense. I, you have some awesome dresses. <laughs> Thank you. Let me think. Um, you know, it's funny. When I read this one, I, I sat, I, I'm still thinking about what, what does make me feel powerful, you know, other than... I'm pretty good with movie trivia. Like that'd be my superpower if I had superpowers. Oh, we need to play a game together at some point. Then. Oh, challenge accepted, my friend. So, because <laughs> I'm going to beat you. Are you I'm really throw- you're throwing down the gauntlet? Oh, it is on like Donkey Kong. Like every okay. movie since the beginning of time. You're oh yeah. You're gone. You're done. Oh okay okay. Listen, listeners, I'm about to beat Suzette Torres at movie mm-hmm. trivia. That'll be the next podcast. We'll just be that. I would just like to recognize that I've been stuck at home binge watching every movie basically on Netflix, Amazon, HBO Max, Disney. Bring it. Well, I fear nothing. I'm sorry. That was my childhood. So I. <laughs> um, okay. But going back to what makes me feel powerful, what really makes me feel powerful is, you know, it goes back to my connections, right? With regards to the relationships that I have with, you know, with my, with, with people. It's, um, I think just being able to kind of go up to strangers and, you know, kind of just being there to listen. And I think that's kind of as us as being in the, in the legal profession, we've done that so much, right? 
Yeah. Where basically we, strangers come to us for help and somehow, you know, we have to try to like, one, we want to be, you know, very compassionate on what their plight is, you know, and just be a good listener. And there's something very powerful about that because when, you know, when you're listening to people, you learn and you get, you learn so much more. It can put things in better context when you can listen. And there's something very powerful about that because then afterwards, when it's my turn to talk and my son hates it when I do this, like I am able to almost repeat verbatim what he said to me. It's like, oh, well, so you think that you deserve TV time, do you? Did you finish your chores? Did you clean up the backyard? Did you fix your bed? And all of a sudden I look at my son's face. He's just like, what have I gotten myself into? Sorry, mama. You're the most beautiful woman in the world, mama. And so like, okay, I love you. Um, no, okay. I'm being very flippant about it. But you know, I think that those are things which make me feel powerful. Like the ability to really listen and, and to connect with people because especially in this day and age, especially with COVID, being able to especially connect over like the internet, Zoom, like, oh my God, it's just, it's, it's really tough. It is really tough. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Connection these days are through screen. Mm-hmm. So that right. is, is powerful. What do you wish you had more time for in your life? It's clearly not watching movies. <laughs> or is it? Okay. No, <laughs> I wish I had, I had more time with my family to be quite honest. You know, you and I were talking about kind of like things that are going on in the background in my life. And, you know, I just recently lost a relative of mine and I always just wish there was just more time to spend with those who I love. So family is very important to me. That's the one regret that I will always have that, you know, and even if with, you know, I, I see my husband and my son every day, but I always wish like there was more time to spend with them, you know? You would think it would be the opposite, like okay, I gotta get, you know, I gotta get out of this house. <laughs> but I really do. I I really just wish I had more time to spend with the people that I love and care about—friends, family, um, even colleagues. But it's just really my family. I think that's the way you know you've chosen wisely in your life about who you have around you. So I think that's a good thing, Susan. Yeah. Thank you. Which three words best describe who you try to be in life, and how do you want to be remembered? I know. Um, that is heavy. Like, who comes up with these questions? I just want to know. Renee Stackhouse. Of course, it's Renee. So, you know, God, basically. Damn, she's good. Okay. The three words that best describe me is, um, can we, can I pass and then come back to that one? Sure. I need to pass on that well, one. Okay. okay. So, so usually we, <laughs> um, how do you handle an interrupter or a mansplainer? I interrupted you earlier and you were very, very nice about it. So how do you, inter- oh. how do you handle an interrupter who you aren't friends with and don't, you don't, uh, don't let. Yeah, wouldn't let. Oh. I always love those questions because so what I have learned to do is I've I've learned to always have canned responses or to come up with zingers. Right. So I will say, well, here's a good example. So there were, and I've I've used this example before. There's one time I was in court, and the long and the short of it, like uh, opposing counsel and I got got into it. Something about he forgot to send out a a notice to appear at trial for one of my for one of my clients and he wanted to know if I was going to bring my client. I'm like, nope, my client doesn't have to be here. It's like, he's not being sued directly. It's like, I can still move forward. If you want to have him here at trial, you should have sent out the notice to appear at trial. So then his flippant response was, well, says that if you want to be an asshole, you know, in court, so be it. 
And so my canned response is, well, if anyone knows what an asshole looks like, that would be you. And it was so funny because it's just, um, it was just so flippant. And I, I said it back so quickly that my other co-defendants, I, said, I turned around and they, they, they all their jaws were open. They're like, did that just come out to Suzette? He was so mean to you. Like, what happened? I'm like, oh, no, no matter. It's just like, this happens all the time. And if, I mean, unfortunately, right? It happens all the time. So, so those types of things where, oh, and I won that case. If anyone wants to know, I want it even on appeal. So um, I'm not surprised to see that. Yes. <laughs> but you know, the long and short of it, I think that my best, I guess, defense, which is also my offense, is that I, I do have some canned responses. I am very flippant about certain things. And people don't expect that from me. They don't expect this tiny Filipino woman to, to snap back at them or clap back at them. And like, I'm sorry. It's like, you know, you want to play with the bull, you're going to get the horns. And that's how I'm going to treat it. So, but hey, but you know, what I like to say is you get more bees with honey. So if you want to play nice, I too want to play nice. And we can have a much better, effective and meaningful conversation if we just are all respectful and nice with each other. Well, the thing about you that I will never forget is that they say that you are the iron fist in the velvet glove. And (laughs) people, when they see you, I think they underestimate you, one. And two, they don't know that you hail from the streets of South Chicago. Southside, baby. That's right. Yeah. So they think that they can intimidate you. When really, I'm not surprised by any of your clapbacks. Um, and so <laughs> I can imagine that you took that that opposing counsel by storm. And he was like, what just came out of her mouth? But that seems about right for for what, what you've got in you, which is a lot of fire. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I on appeal and, and uh, congratulations on, on winning that case and on appeal. I've got the original question I had for you. I'm going to save till the very end, which was back to. <laughs> Uh, This is usually traditionally the last question, which is, uh, what is your mantra to get you through tough times? My mantra. So um, you know me, you know me very well. So, you know, it's going to be a Hamilton quote. (laughs) Do it. So it's going to be, I I will not throw in my shot, right? That's every single time when I'm in a difficult, I I think I, I think I play that, I have that on my playlist going on. I still, to this day, but with Hamilton, I always think about that song and that refrain. And that usually gets me over some of the biggest humps and also gets me over, gets me through even the good days, right? Because it's such a, a fun tune and a fun song to sing with. It's, it's just, um, you know, what is it? Um, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. So I love that. That's my mantra, all-time mantra. Yeah. Yeah. I think it suits you well, too. Okay. Three words best describes you or how you want to be remembered. How do you remember? Okay. Kind. Check. Got it. Oh, you know what I want to be? Oh, influencer. I really would love to be an influencer, which I'm hoping someday, but I can't do, I, I'm not very good on social media. I'll tell you right now. I am really not. And, uh, I guess the last thing is uh, funny. It's just, uh, I don't know. I always, I, I like, I find joy in laughter and in jokes and stuff like that. And I think life can be funny. And I, and I say that in a happy way and in a sad way. Right. But I think those are the three words I would like to remember by. I uh, appreciate your time so much. And I always love talking to you uh, in a friendly capacity and uh, obviously on podcasts. And I'm sure that our, our listeners will enjoy hearing all that you have to offer too. Thank you so much for being here. And um, 
Thank you also for tuning in to Spilling the Tea with M. Shilly, and we will see you next time. This has been Spilling the Tea with M. Shilly. Thanks for listening. Want to learn more about the women featured on the podcast? Visit our website at www.mshele.com or email us at info at mshele.com. Stay connected with us on Facebook and YouTube by searching MCLE LLC and Instagram and Twitter at M underscore she underscore LE. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It would be greatly appreciated. Until next time, take care of yourself, lift each other up, and we'll see you on the next episode of Spilling the Tea with MCLE.